Today is Monday, October the 10th, 2022, and it's a great day to have a day here on the Spurs Up show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. On today's show, it's Victory Monday as we celebrate and break down Saturday night's big win in Lexington, Kentucky, as the Gamecocks take down the Wildcats by a final score of 24 to 14. Guys, I'll give you guys my full thoughts. Also, my biggest takeaway from Saturday night, we'll also hand out some TSUS game balls, talk slap dig of the night, and we'll hand out the weekly Cock Commander Award as well. Also, your listener questions and voicemails. We have got a packed and a fun show here on this Monday. And of course, as always, it's brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Go down the Prize Picks app or to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code TSUS at sign up to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Guys, Prize Picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market focused around prop total entries. Here's how it works you pick two to five players, and you can win them to 10 times on any entry. Prize Picks has no sharks, optimizers, or mass multi entry guys. It's literally just you against the projection. They also allow mixed sport entries. For example, you can take the over on LeBron, parlay with the under on Mahomes, parlay with the over on Spencer Rattler's passing yards. You can do any sport, any game, does not matter. And of course, we love prize picks because you can play college sports, which is what we're all interested in. They also got a slick, easy to use mobile app, both on the App Store, Google Play, and they rated 4.8 stars in the App Store with rave reviews. Guys, why not? Let's break the bookie this football season with our friends over at Prize Picks. Go down the Prize Picks app, go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use that promo code TSUS to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Be sure to check them out and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. To be good. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, happy Monday. Hope you're all doing well. I'm Chris Phillips, your host of the Spurs Up Show as always. And a victory Monday here as we celebrate the big win over the weekend. Gamecocks taking care of business on the road against the 13th ranked Kentucky Wildcats. And man, does it feel so good to say that and be here celebrating this victory with you all again guys i hope you're having a fantastic start to your week i hope this show does find you well no matter where you are what you're doing of course as always we have got a packed show for you here on this monday tons to get into as we kick off yet another exciting week guys on that note of course as we enter this week and the bye week is upcoming this weekend which of course means no game Not a lot changing to the content schedule. The only thing is this. We will not have 
a Friday podcast simply because, again, there is no game to break down or dissect or, or dive into or anything like that. So no Friday podcast. TDC will operate as normal this week, Monday through Friday, noon to 2, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. You guys know the drill, taking your questions, comments, calls, and I'm sure it is going to be a very lively week on the Daily Crow this week. But no podcast on Friday. I will say Monday's podcast, a week from today, will be a really big one as we do our annual uh, midseason report card for the Gamecocks football season. So I'll give my grades break down everything, all of my thoughts at the halfway point. As again, now the Gamecocks sit four and two and one and two in SEC play. And more importantly, currently on a three game winning streak. And that feels so good to say again, guys, happy Monday. I hope this show does find you what I'm going to, where you are, what you're doing. Also guys, it's an exciting Monday because when the Gamecocks win, you win 15% off all merchandise until midnight tonight over at our online store. That's TSUS.store using the promo code Beamerball, all one word Beamerball. You'll get 15% off your entire order. And of course, guys, now that we're getting into October, Hoodie season right around the corner, long sleeve season, pullover season. We've got all that. We've got new beanies. Of course, we got t-shirts, uh, everything you can think of. Of course, the Beamer Ball towels. You want to get your towels before the Gamecocks take on Texas A&M. Uh, you can go ahead and order those and place those orders, and you will have them. Uh, so, again, guys, the koozies as well. Everything you need over at TSUS.store. 15% though, all merchandise until midnight tonight using that promo code Beamerball. And as you all know, when the Gamecocks win, you win every time South kind of wins a football game until Monday at midnight, we have these sales running. So be sure you pay attention and stay tuned to all those. And also be on the lookout for new drops coming as we get closer to the holiday season as well. We're really going to do a hard merch push as we get into the month of November. And of course, throughout December with Christmas upcoming as well. But again, of course, exciting things happening guys on this Monday and things are always really exciting when you're coming off a victory. South Carolina takes down the 13th ranked Kentucky Wildcats by a final score of 24 to 14. And man, does it feel so good to be sitting here on this Monday after a win in which this fan base needed so badly. The Cat Pack has been smoked. The Stoops Pack has been smoked. The Culture Over Climate Pack. Well, you know where I'm going with this, right? I will say this, by the way, on a quick side note, because as you all know, no, I was not just wearing a, a suit and bow tie for fun over the weekend. Of course, in case you missed it, it was my, my little sister's wedding, and we had a fantastic time. Beautiful, beautiful ceremony. Um, the reception was incredible. The, the entire day, the entire weekend, being with family was awesome. But I will tell you this. Uh, I would not wish it upon... Uh, anyone in particular in regards to trying to keep up with and watch a football game while also being at a wedding wedding season and football season is one tough clash but uh very fortunate my family was very understanding my sister understanding was able to keep up with and watch the game in its entirety also went back on Sunday afternoon and caught most of the game watched all of the highlights uh and, and of course relived everything that happened on Saturday night now let, let me start with this because believe it or not, I am not shocked by the final result, okay? I, I told you guys all last week that Kentucky was overrated, that they were frauds, and at some point, they would be exposed. My only question was, was South Carolina going to put together a performance that was going to inevitably show that when the dust settled in Lexington? And as the week progressed last week, and we heard about just how banged up Kentucky was, and we heard the Will Levis news, and it sounded more and more likely that he would not play. You guys could probably tell in my content on the Daily Crow and even on the podcast, I had a lot of positive feelings and optimistic feelings going into this ballgame. However, I needed to see it before I could believe it. 
Because time and time and time again, we had seen the Gamecocks go into hostile road environments. And, right, the numbers pointed to that it was going to be yet another frustrating game, another frustrating night for all of us. But thank goodness that was not the case. And, and, you know, we've talked a lot about fast starts, right, getting off to fast starts. What a start. And what a shocking play call, by the way. Um, I don't know if it's because you had Kaya Sharon starting the game and Kentucky just felt like, You know, they needed to do something different. But for a program in Kentucky that's had so much success, let's call it for what it is, has had so much success over South Carolina over the last few years in that that negative trend and streak, if you will, that we have against them, uh, at least in recent memory, you know, how have they won those games? By being physical by winning at the point of attack with kind of a no-nonsense business-like approach. And so for Kentucky to start that game the way they did was sort of a gadget play, a finicky type, you know, what just uh, just just a just a finesse type of play. And of course the Gamecocks are able to blow it up. Tonka Hemingway recovers the fumble and you set yourself up one play, boom, touchdown. You take the lead. Talk about starting fast. I felt really good from that point. You know what? I think Kentucky's sort of on their heels. That, to me, kind of set the tone of the entire game in regards to Kentucky did not feel confident with the personnel they had on Saturday night. They did not feel like they could just line up and beat the Gamecocks the way they had the past seven, eight, however many years, whatever it was. So I I felt good about it early on, and then the game progressed. I'll say this. When you look at this game as a whole – fantastic job by Shane Beamer and company in regards to second half adjustments. And I tell you what, there's so many different directions. We can go in so many people you need to tip your cap to offensively. There are still problems. There are still issues, but I'll tell you what guys, it don't matter whether it was the first half, the second half, the entirety of the game, you go back and watch that one. There are many problems and there are still many deficiencies on the offensive side. You want to blame offensive line. You want to blame Spencer Rattler. You want to blame the play calling. Blame can go in a lot of different directions. But I tell you what, going back and watching that game on Sunday afternoon, watching the replay, watching Marshawn Lloyd run the football is intoxicating. I mean, we all had these high hopes for this kid when he was recruited and 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 the and the, 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 the expectations, right, that having those five stars next to your name brings. And we all kind of wondered, I'll be honest, I had my doubts for Marshawn coming in this year. I thought he could be a solid player, but I just wasn't sure that he was going to get back to or even get to the levels in which meeting the expectations. Because, again, you feel like for a lot of these guys, when you have that five-star type of, of pedigree, it's it, the expectations are through the roof. But I tell you what, watching Marshawn Lloyd run the football on Saturday night, just a thing of beauty, man. And, and it, it, if it was any secret beforehand, because it is, it is certainly – it's one thing to do it against Charlotte, do it against SC State, but to go out there against Kentucky in that type of ball game, that type of environment, and a game in which everybody's talking about Chris Rodriguez and how good he is, and and Marshawn Lloyd, I feel like, still getting sort of slept on. This dude, I think, is – I don't think it's too bold to say he's the best player on this football team. I don't care if it's offense, defense, special teams, what have you. Marshawn Lloyd looks every bit the part, if not more – of the guy that I hope for him to be and expect him to be when the Gamecocks land on him in the recruiting circles. I mean, just explosiveness, agility. He looked like at times, guys, and you can correct me or, or you can you can give me your thoughts. He looked like he was gliding out there at times. Like it looked easy. Like it was an effortless type of fast. Like he was effortlessly quick. It looked so natural. And I think that was something you didn't see last year, and it's so good. Like, I, I think, obviously, the injuries behind him, knock on wood, obviously, the injuries are behind him. He trusts that knee. He trusts that leg. He's cutting. He's shifting. He's accelerating. You know, I think back to, you know, the play that he had where it looks like he's going to get stopped for a loss, but whoop, he hits a little shuffle, gone, up up the uh, up the sideline there. So, uh, Marshawn Lloyd, 22 carries in the game on Saturday night. You love to see that. I talked about getting the ball in your playmaker's hands. I think that's something that absolutely needs to continue. It absolutely needs to continue, right? You then look at other guys on the outside making plays. Antoine Wells, three catches, 66 yards. We knew if you get in the ball in space what he can do, and I know we get so tired of swing pass sat and these these bubble screens and, and, and these quick passes, these screens of the outside. 
But, hey, we saw what can happen when it works and you get your athletes the football in space, and Antoine Wells makes that Kentucky defense pay. Jalen Brooks uh, continues his hot play on that reverse, which, by the way, I know we've got all our thoughts on Sat, and I'm going to get there, I promise you, but a fantastic play call on that reverse. And really, guys, this game, you know, defensively, I also want to mention them in my early thoughts. An incredible night. The physicality, the defensive front. You have six sacks total, man. So many guys with great games. I know I've been tough on the defensive line, and I've been tough on some individual guys, right? I've been tough on Jordan Birch. I've been tough on Zach Pickens. But those dudes, they also looked the part last night. Jordan Birch, six tackles, one and a half sacks, one and a half tackles for loss. Zach Pickens, it felt like, was in on every other play. I thought Gilbert Edmond looked lethal on the outside. Uh, obviously, Tonka Hemingway, a phenomenal game. You know, I thought the Gamecocks defense also felt the positive impact of the return of a guy like Darius Rush, had a tackle for loss and was flying all over the field. Sherrod Green, of course, at the linebacker spot, leading your team with tackles, well, 12 total tackles, one sack and one tackle for loss. The tenacity and the aggressiveness and the attacking nature with which that Gamecocks Steven played with, it felt like sort of a a vintage defensive performance for the Gamecocks, right? This this felt like, because everybody thinks of Steve Spurrier and the fun and gun and the cock and fire, and we everybody knows we weren't scoring 40 points per game. We were winning with run game and defense. And this honestly felt like one of those games from that Steve Spurrier era where the offense wasn't great by any stretch, right? And I'm about to get there, I promise you. But a tale of two halves, but a defense at all night while the offense was sputtering while the offense was trying to figure out your defense is what kept you in a football game and guys that's what I think should be the storyline today is heaping praise on Clayton White Jimmy Lindsay Tory Gray the entire you know Sterling Lucas the entire defensive staff for, for putting together one hell of a game plan and having these guys ready to go also Beamer Ball great night for Beamer Ball shows itself yet again the block punt uh, I think the Gamecocks are now leading the country in block punts with five. And, guys, it just goes to show you, you know, there are three facets of the game. And I told you guys in the preseason for a team like South Carolina that, you know, is going to be an underdog in a lot of these games. And, and that's still, even at four and two, one and two in conference play, that's going to be the case down the stretch, right? Your final six games, I could argue you're probably going to be a dog in, what, four of six? Maybe even five of six? Is that possible? We'll say four of six, though. You're probably – and underdog over half of them, special teams is a facet of the game. You can win, and you can steal a couple of these. Because if you look up the statistics, guys, I don't have it pulled up right in front of me, but if you look up those stats, when you block a kick, when you block a punt, your odds of winning the ball game absolutely skyrocket. So you can't minimize the importance of Beamer Ball and special teams and just how big it is especially in SEC play and on the road in SEC play, where all these little things add up and they mean a lot. Now, now when you look at this game, what's so interesting, you know what it reminded me of, guys? It reminded me of the Arkansas game. It reminded me of the Arkansas game in this way. Slow start for South Carolina offensively. You know, outside of, of course, blowing up the first play and one play and a score, right? Outside of that very slow start. The Gamecocks had, I believe, just about 90 yards of offense in the first half, okay? Just 90 yards of offense. You finish with 356 total, so just over 260 in the second half, but just 90 in that first half, right? In same way, when you played Arkansas, you're down 21-3. to You're not able to get anything going until late. It kind of reminded me of that, but in this game, Kentucky, and this is taking nothing away from South Carolina, by the way, Kentucky was not good enough to expose you early on and to build any sort of lead or take advantage of your offensive shortcomings and your offensive mistakes. Again, I need everyone to understand that I am taking nothing away from the Gamecocks in saying that. I am not someone that's going to sit here and tell you guys, well, you know, Will Levis was out and they had injuries. Guess what, guys? We had injuries too, and when we were playing four different quarterbacks last year and we had a revolving door, we didn't get sympathy from anybody so I tell you this on a side note anybody that wants to sit here and tell you well y'all beat Kentucky with this this and that and this dude you went on the road in the SEC and you physically imposed your will 
against the 13th-ranked team in the country. I don't care who they had out. Did it make a difference in the game? Sure it did. It made somewhat of a difference. But are you going to sit here and try to convince me that Kentucky would have won that game had Levis played? I don't know that you can sit here and say that. I really don't know that you can say that because this game Saturday night went so far beyond just the quarterback position for Kentucky. Again, back to what I was saying. Tale of two halves, right? And listen, I was just as frustrated as all of you watching that offense in the first half. And even coming out of a victory like this, we can all agree there are still problems with the offense. There's still going to be moments with this offense this season where we want to pull our hair out, and it's going to drive us absolutely batty. I will say, looking at the second half, you score 17 points. You have 260 yards of offense or so. Very productive second half. It was night and day different. Uh, you know, you look at Spencer Rattler, what he did the second half, eight for 10 in that half, led three 70-plus yard drives, scoring drives, I might add. And his numbers weren't great, 14-19, 177, a touchdown and a pick. But I will say this, if I'm and I'm someone, I was ready, guys. I, I was ready. I had the fire sat merch pending, ready to go. And I'm not saying <laughs> that there might not be a point this season where it needs to be pulled out because, you know, I think we could still have a conversation about OC and what needs to happen. But I will say this, I am more than happy to do this, and I'm willing, more than willing to tip my cap to Marcus Satterfield and that entire coaching staff because I think you saw a lot of communication that second half between Shane Beamer and Marcus Satterfield and them working together. Tip your cap for that second half performance, man, because at halftime, guess what? That was anybody's ball game. You felt like now, as Shane Beamer pointed out, you felt like you were in control, but the question was, were the Gamecocks going to take it, right? Were they going to take it? It was there for the taking. Even I felt good at halftime that it's like, dude, if South Carolina can put together just a couple of scoring drives, you know, you felt like with Kaya Sharon manning the thing with Kentucky, and I know they had Chris Rodriguez, but you just felt like with the way your defense was playing, that you had a great shot if you could put together a couple of scoring drives. Because never at any point in that game did I feel like, oh, man, Kentucky's really, you know, just – getting it going offensively. And yeah, Chris Rodriguez had his. They had uh, 121 yards rushing, which I will take that every single day of the week in SEC play, guys. 121 yards rushing, 3.4 yards per carry. Sign me up for that every single week. On the flip side, you had 179 yards rushing and 4.3 yards per carry, 177 yards passing to go with that. I don't know. Let me say this, too. I don't know that this Gamecocks football team did anything that I didn't believe they were capable of doing at some point. The question was just simply, are they going to do it? Are they going to show it and finally, you know, put it together and play one of their better games of the season? Again, first half left a lot to be desired. But second half, you make the necessary adjustments. Again, guys, offensively, there's still a lot to figure out, right? There's still a lot to work through, and there's still a lot that needs to be fixed. I will say what I saw in the second half, Spencer Rattler under center, right? I don't know if he's just more comfortable or if it sort of more so goes back to what we were running when Mike Bobo was OC. Maybe we simplified things, but I tell you what, Spencer Rattler to me does look a lot more comfortable. I also like to running the ball a lot more out of that ace set or that single back set or just when Rattler's taking the snap on her center instead of, you know, what did we have a fourth and two and we ran a freaking run out of the shotgun? It was not perfect all night, obviously. You know, offensive line, I thought, continues to be okay, which you know what, all things considered, I'll take okay after what we saw early in the year. But uh, I, I do like Spencer Rattler under center more so. But again, the you know the second half adjustments, there's things that have to be figured out, finding ways to get Spencer Rattler comfortable. And I know there's probably some of you that sit here on this Monday that want Spencer Rattler benched. And I heard that last week. And, and I saw that a lot in the first half of that ball game. Guys, it's not happening. It's just simply put, not happening. This team, and I just don't see Shane Beamer and Marcus Satterfield if he's still going to be the OC after the bye week. I just don't see this football team wavering off of Spencer Rattler. This is a football team that believes in Rattler. They believe in his abilities. They believe what he can do as QB1. And I don't see that changing. And I still believe in him, too. 
I still believe in him too. They've got to put him in positions to be successful, right? You know, there were opportunities to be had last night that maybe they missed, but I thought all in all, uh, you know, you only threw the football 19 times in that ball game. I think you only ran 61 plays, by the way, which is kind of uh, kind of crazy when you think about it. Kentucky went in the time possession battle 31.05 to 28.55. The game was even in turnovers. I will say this, guys, I was wrong. I was wrong in a couple different phases or a couple different facets, if you will, going in this game against Kentucky. I thought you would need above-average quarterback play to go on the road and win this football game. I, I I really did. I did not see a scenario in which you were going to beat Kentucky without above-average quarterback play. Now, does Kentucky's starting quarterback not being in there factor in somewhat? Maybe a little, but I really honestly believed in my heart of hearts you needed Rattler to play one of his best games of the season. Here's what I did not account for. And, I, and it kind of gets into my point, my biggest takeaway from Saturday night. My biggest takeaway, guys, is this. Culture over climate. And culture is going to trump climate every single time. And, and more so, my, 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 my greater takeaway from this game, guys, is the role that those comments undoubtedly played in this football game and the motivation for Shane Beamer and his football team. Because I, I saw some people on social media leading up to the, to, to the game on Saturday. Oh, you know, Beamer brushed it off. Chris, you need to let it go. This doesn't mean anything. Guys, not only did it mean something, but Shane Beamer and his football team took that shit personally. I mean, they had the T-shirts ready to go in the post game immediately following Shane Beamer had the shades in the locker room and the dance and the turn my swag on ready to go. And I think that was what I enjoyed seeing most on Saturday night. And when I went back and watched this game on Sunday afternoon was seeing a South kind of football team. It's just been a while since I could say I saw us in SEC play set the tone early and be the aggressor. I feel like we had Kentucky on their heels all night. We were bringing it to Kentucky, attacking, aggressive, just getting after them all night long. Even on the offensive side, while we were struggling and we were sputtering and we were trying to figure out how to give Kentucky that knockout blow, especially on defense, man. I mean, this was a football team that played with a chip on its shoulder. This was a football team that played with an edge. This was a football team that I think understood what was at stake. You know, was this a game to get to the college football playoff or, or a, a game that would, would give the winner, you know, a, you know for a first-place seat for the SEC East or put them in the driver's seat to go win the conference? No. But in regards to the, the landscape, and the overall outlook of each one of these teams' seasons, especially on the South Carolina side of things, this football team, in my opinion, played like a football team that understood what was at stake and understood how big of a deal this game was. I mean, I saw a team that was motivated, that was flying around, that was getting after it. And, you know, you kind of felt like, and we've seen it before, right, guys? We talked about also leading into this game that Shane Beamer needed to or needs to start doing things to separate himself and his era from the Will Muschamp era and the end of the Spurrier era. And I think that's where you see a lot of the negative emotions creep in, guys. And, you know, I, I've seen it all across social media. Heck, I've, I've seen it with people I've just talked to and conversated with about the game, right? It's because we've seen the Gamecocks. And it's probably with me as well why I picked Carolina to lose this game. And I talked about last week how unfair it was to Shane Beamer, right? How unfair it was that he is now holding the weight and the burden of a lot of these negative streaks. Because guess what? Coming into Saturday night, Shane Beamer hadn't lost to Kentucky 7 of 8. Carolina football and Will Muschamp had, and the end of the Spurrier era had. Hey, when you take on Texas A&M, not this weekend, but the next weekend at Williams-Brice, Carolina football has lost eight in a row to Texas A&M. Shane Beamer has lost just once to the Aggies. And I understand it was ugly, but I'm I, I, you know, I, 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 I'm talking to myself here, and I'm preaching to myself when I say this, but... A lot of these negative trends and these negative streaks and just things we feel like we've seen, you know, tail as old as time, time and time again, we're putting on Shane Beamer and his football team and his culture when it's not a part of his culture. And again, guys, I am preaching to myself. 
because that's what I allowed to happen when I made my prediction. And I, and I don't, and I, and I'm not saying that I regret doing that because I think there's nothing wrong with his fans, us having a wait and see type approach or a show me approach. And I'm just glad Shane Beamer was able to put that together and show something because we've heard right since he took the job and, and we've heard this season. And again, guys, let me reinforce I'm 120% behind Shane Beamer, Beamer ball to the freaking moon. Hey, it's still Beamer Rattler 22, right? I'm behind Shane Beamer, but fans want to see some sort of tangible progress, right? Something they can cling to and something we can hang our hat on. As many of you know, I love to say, but fans want to see that. And it's just so great to sit here on this Monday and say that now we've got that. Was it a great Kentucky team, guys? I'm not going to say that. Is Kentucky going to go win 10 games this year? Probably not. But I don't give a damn, guys, who you're playing. And I tell you what, I sure as hell will not apologize for celebrating here on this Monday. I will not apologize for smoking the cat pack and smoking the stoops pack and smoking the culture climate pack. I will not apologize for it because Kentucky fans were talking a lot of shit last week. And so for Carolina to go do something we haven't seen a lot of Gamecock teams do to Kentucky in recent memory, and that is go out and physically impose their will for 60 minutes, especially that defensive front, right? We haven't seen that a whole lot. So for Shane Beamer and company company to put that plan together, to keep this football team going in the right direction, to keep them positive, and for that end result to take place, I mean, it's just a huge boost for Carolina, a huge shot in the arm for this football team, and really a huge shot in the arm for this fan base in the scope of this 2022 season. I also want to say this, guys, because I've seen – some of this, not a ton, but I've seen some, and I had sort of a same, a same, uh, you know, or, or a very similar uh, discussion or very similar banter after the SC State game, I believe. But I just want to reinforce the point really quickly because I, I, I've seen a lot of folks, you know, when we lose, right? When you lose, when you lose, right? And you're as passionate about something as we are about Gamecocks football, right? Losing sucks. I mean, we all hate losing. It stings. It hurts. There is no positive spin on losing, right? So we all know that we're going to be miserable. We're going to be calling for people's jobs. And, you know, the, 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 the endless discussion and banter on social media is going to be there, right? Doom and gloom, down in the dumps, everything that comes with when the Gamecocks lose a football game. So I, I would just say this. Never, and you know what I love about, and the people that tune in this show, obviously you love it too. I say this, never stop demanding the best. Never stop being critical and demanding more and looking at things not from any sort of tinted view one way or the other. Avoid the garnet glasses overly optimistic view of things avoid the chicken curse overly pessimistic view of things stay as close to the middle as you possibly can and remove your biases I say all that to say this yes guys look at this game and the things the Gamecocks need to improve on look at it from a critical eye you know nitpick it and pick it apart all you want but do not allow yourself to lose sight that at the end of the day, this South Carolina football team went on the road as underdogs. At one point, double-digit underdogs went on the road in the SEC and won by double digits and physically whipped their opponent while doing so. That is something we can all sit here and be joyous about. We can be jubilant about. We can be ecstatic about whatever positive adjective you want to lose. Again, we're going to talk about it all week long. Break the game down. And there's plenty for this football team that still needs to be fixed. And we're going to have, I'll say this, the best way I can summarize it is this. We're not going to win every game we got left. So undoubtedly, we're going to have some Saturdays that are way less fun than the one we just experienced. So while we have this moment, guys, while we have this time to enjoy this Victory Monday and this Victory Week and the next Victory Two Weeks, let's do it. Let's enjoy it, right? Because we'll be sad and upset and disgruntled when we lose. That's a guarantee. But if you're someone out there that you find yourself being 
sad and upset and disgruntled even in wins, I think that's where you got to really take a step back and reevaluate. I think that's where you really got to take a step back and say, man, am, am I just, am I viewing this through an overly negative scope? And I'm someone, people try to label me as negative. They try to say that I'm, no, I, I keep things realistic. I keep things as in the middle as possible, right? I keep things as in the middle as I possibly can. I celebrate all wins, big and small. And I think it's very important because life's hard enough. Sports are hard enough. Celebrate the wins when you get them. All that outside noise, all that outside bullshit. Well, this guy wasn't playing, or this is this. And who gives a damn? Somebody's got to win the game, and somebody's got to lose the game. And I can guarantee you, if roles are reversed, which they kind of were last year, a lot of the time for us, ain't nobody got sympathy. Don't nobody give a damn. When we look back at this game in, in, in five years, nobody's going to remember that Will Levis didn't play. They're just going to say South Carolina beat Kentucky. Bottom line, end of discussion. And Big Blue Nation, you can suck it. That's all I got to say. You can absolutely suck it. So, uh, again, just a really – and I tell you this, guys, this football team, like I mentioned on that note, it, this team's far from perfect. This team's absolutely far from perfect, especially – on the offensive side. I, 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 unfortunately, guys, I hate to say it. I feel like we are going to have more frustrating Saturdays in our future in regards to the offense and the play calling and just some of the things that happen. But the way I see this team, this is a gutsy, grinded out type of group. It's not always going to be pretty. It's not always going to be flash. It's not going to be as flashy as we all hoped it was going to be. At least I don't think it's going to be. I mean, we got a whole second half of football to play. Maybe it is. But from what I've seen, it's probably not. But you know what? If this team is able to, in the process, find ways to win football games, not to bring too much baseball over to football, but win anyway, man. Win freaking Anyway, especially, guys, when you get into SEC play. You know, I talk a lot about style points, and in college football, style points matter. Man, for Shane Beamer in year two, how you win and how you lose is important, but, dude, they really don't. Style points don't matter all that much. Like, when you're talking about winning SEC games, hey, if we go beat A&M by one, is anybody going to give a damn that it wasn't by more? No! If you go beat Mizzou, and you lock in bowl eligibility, and you win by a field goal, is anybody really going to give a damn? Hell no. We're going to say it feels good to be good. We're going to smoke the pack, and we're going to keep it moving. That's all we got to do, right? And that's what we're going to choose to do. So either way, man, a gutsy win. Huge win, gutsy win, one you had to have. Huge shot in the arm for the fan base. And now, guys, you've won three straight games. For the first time since 2017, you go into your bye week. It's, it's just crazy how the result of one game can completely shift things. And that, guys, that's why we called it the inflection point, right? That's why I called it the inflection point for months now and emphasized the importance of this game. And there's just a whole different vibe and a whole different feeling. Things have got to get fixed. Things have got to get fixed for sure. There's a lot left to be desired, especially on that offensive side. But I tell you what, guys. That is a defense that you can win with. That right there is a defense. That that gave me warm and fuzzy feelings of the Steve Spurrier era and the way that the defense used to take over games and the defensive front, especially, again, man, six sacks in that ball game. Um, you know, we, we, we praised the defensive line all preseason and hyped them up, and Shane Beamer had his comments about them, and I know the fan base, they look at that defensive line and feel like that's a defensive line that should be really, really good, maybe even be elite. They finally played that way on Saturday night. They finally played that way. And that was an impressive performance, a gutsy performance, and a game in which it felt, like I said earlier, guys, just so good to see the Gamecocks. I feel like this was one that we came into it, at least what I could see. We came into this game with the mindset of, this game is up for the taking. This is a toss-up game. We're going to take it. We're taking this shit. We're not going to allow Kentucky to dictate the flow of the game or the tempo. We're going to come right at them. We're going to punch them in the face, and we're going to punch them in the face again and punch them in the face again. And you know what? We're going to beat them till they're senseless and can't get up, right? And, and I think and that's what I saw. That was the biggest thing. And, again, the culture over climate thing and the role that played, the role that played in this football game. And I guess the moral of the story is uh, – Think next time before you talk shit, Mark Stoops. That's all I got to tell you, because that was just free ammo. You did not need to give us 
That was free ammo. You do not need to give this football team. And certainly it, it paid off for the Gamecocks. So huge win, guys. Let's hand out some game balls on that note. We'll start with Gamecocks running back Marshawn Lloyd. I just talked about him earlier, but man, Marshawn has become so much fun to watch. 22 carries, 110 yards, average five yards per carry, a touchdown on the ground, of course, to start the game. And how about in the passing game as well? Two catches for 31 yards on the night. Um, again, guys, I, I think Marshawn Lloyd, you know, I understand there's certain guys that, you know, one week you might have this many touches and this week the next. Marshawn Lloyd is your feature player. And he's he's the guy, he has really come into his own, has become the guy I thought he'd be. Your feature player, the feature back. I mean, you see the skill set, you see the agility, you see the athleticism. He needs to be a guy on a week-in, week-out basis, touching the football, I think, at minimum 20 times in a game. At freaking minimum. I don't care if Christian Beal Smith is healthy. I don't care what the deal is. Marshawn Lloyd is that dude. He is that dude for this football team. Uh, next game ball, guys, goes to Tonka Hemingway. Tonka Hemingway, what a night for this kid, man. And I feel like Tonka was sort of almost one of those forgotten guys on the defensive front. Kind of got, for whatever reason, buried on the depth chart. Four total tackles, one and a half sacks, one and a half tackles for loss, and two fumble recoveries as well. This dude was flying all over the place. Uh, and by the way, I do want to make sure I show love, man, to other guys in that defensive front. Jordan Birch, Zach Pickens, two guys that, again, we've talked about and scrutinized so much because of those high expectations, you know, coming in as five-star guys. They looked phenomenal last night. In my mind, you love to see it and certainly want to see more of that. And, guys, my final game ball goes to Shane Beamer. I, I mean, really, truly tip of the cap for having this football team confident, having this football team ready to play. Obviously, when you play teams like Charlotte and SC State, and there, there's a lot of, you know, nitpicking those games and overanalyzing and kind of what you have to do. But, you know, your only SEC games, right? Your last SEC game, you lost to Georgia 48-7. to And Kentucky, I know they lost to Ole Miss, but riding in this game high and feeling good about themselves, and they come back home and blah, 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 this, that, whatever. Shane Beamer, I thought, man, had this football team ready to play. I thought the second half adjustments were incredible. I mean, obviously, you look at the score, you look at the scoreboard and the numbers, they certainly reflect that. Special teams also, Beamerball, he and Pete Limbo having a great plan put together yet again. I mean, that just becomes, or that has become a weapon for the Gamecocks on a week-in, week-out basis. Um, but notching a huge win for his coaching tenure also early in his South Carolina career. Uh, first SEC road win. Of course, first SEC win of the 2022 season, but first SEC road win. First win over a ranked opponent, right? And a win that I think will serve as a major, major point and a major moment in this 2022 football season. So again, congratulations to all those who won game ball. Stay tuned. I promise there's more uh, recognition upcoming shortly. Slap dick of the weekend and slap dick of the night in Lexington, guys. It, it's got to go to Mark Stoops. I, it just has to. It, it has to. I, I I just refuse coming out of this game. I refuse to give slap dick of the weekend to anybody else other than Mark Stoops. Mark Stoops, you played yourself. You absolutely just played yourself. Uh, cover your ears if you're a small child. Get fucked, Stoops. I mean, that's it. You you played yourself, Mark Stoops. You played yourself with your comments, and you can say, I wasn't talking about Beamer. I wasn't talking. Dude, you were. You, you were. We know you were. Just own it. Admit it. Move on. Mark Stoops has done a great job building the Kentucky program, but he played himself. He played Kentucky football, running his mouth over the summer. Uh, all right, guys, finally, let's move into our Cock Commander Award, which is given weekly to our game MVP. And I talked a lot about Tonka Hemingway, Zach Pickens, Jordan Birch, Gilbert Edmond, MJ Webb. You go down the list of names, Nick Barrett, TJ Sanders, guys that made an impact on that defensive front. And I think we need to give recognition to the guy who is behind all that and the man that is responsible for this unit. So, guys, I'm proud to say the Cock Commander Award for this week goes to Gamecocks defensive line coach Jimmy Lindsay, and you think back again to what the defensive line did on Saturday night, just 121 yards rushing allowed, 3.4 yards per carry against a Kentucky team that I understand had not run the ball effectively this year, 
But what they had done to South Carolina in previous years, Chris Rodriguez averaging 7.6 yards per carry coming into that game against the Gamecocks in his career to hold them at bay on the ground was impressive. And even more impressive, even more impressive, six sacks on the night, the defensive line flying around all night long. Heck, I even saw Zach Pickens drop back into coverage and deflect the ball. So that defensive line was active all night, was attacking, was aggressive. Just loved the tenacity and the attitude in which they played with. And and, uh, it obviously paid off major dividends. So again, guys, the winner of the Cock Commander Award goes to Gamecocks defensive line coach, Jimmy Lindsay. So guys, that's going to do it for my breakdown of Saturday night's game against Kentucky. Would love to hear your thoughts. Again, of course, we'll continue to talk about this all week long on the Daily Crow as we take your questions, comments, calls. I know you guys have tons of commentary and things you want to discuss and dive into, and certainly we will do that. And really excited to continue to break down this big victory. But all in all, man, just oh, feels good to be good. And it's almost, I'll tell you this, here's what I meant to say earlier too. It almost just feels like a sigh of relief. You know what I mean? Because I, I was sitting there not dreading the game, but thinking about the possible results on Saturday night and just dreading the outcome of if, if the outcome was not positive. Because again, and I said this in pregame and some folks disagreed, and I want to clarify that when I said that folks were, were at their breaking point, I'm not talking about Shane Beamer. I, of course I'm not talking about that, but in regards to, and again, I've got a very unique vantage point. I'm not just some some slapdick in the corner of Gamecock Twitter with me and five of my buddies, and we think that our our way of thinking represents the entire Gamecock fan base. No, I have a very unique vantage point where I see and hear and and, and kind of feel the vibe of Gamecock Nation from various social media channels, and you could just tell that Gamecock fans were on edge. You could just tell this fan base was like, all right, it's now or never. Either show me something or I'm going to find something better to do for the rest of this month and the rest of this football season. So I'm just so happy for this fan base to have something to crow about. So happy for this fan base to have a reason to feel good and feel excited and have a reason for these cocks to crow, man. That just feels good to say and and, uh, you know, again, it doesn't matter who was healthy, who was injured, or how it happened, but all that matters is the Gamecocks went out there, imposed their will, went on the road in the SEC, and beat a top 15 team at night. Enough said. Drop the mic. Kentucky fans, sucks to suck. All right, guys, on that note, before we get out of here, let's go ahead and dive into your listener questions, your voicemails, because we do have a ton of them. We will start with the voicemails, and as you can imagine, uh, these are all really fun, really exciting. So again, cannot wait to get in to these. Here we go. Who got the sauce, Chris? We got the sauce. Let's go, baby. Cox by 90. Let's go. I appreciate the voicemail, my man. Love it. Love it. Awesome stuff. We're just going to roll through these. Here we go. Man, Chris, as you always say, it feels good to be good on this Saturday night. Man, Gamecocks beat the Kentucky Wildcats. That is a fantastic feeling. You know, there's there's little things here and there, but at the end of the day, the Gamecocks got the dub. That's all that matters. You know what they say. Go Cox. Hey, I appreciate it, my man. And yeah, like you said at the end there, man. Yeah, there, there's still deficiencies and, and problems with this football team and things that have to get corrected and fixed and and uh, you know it's it's not all sunshine and rainbows, but again, do not do not lose sight of the fact that South Carolina um, got a major dub and won it needed, and and uh, just like you said, man, feels good to be good, my guy. Chris, this is uh, Zach, aka Wacko Zach, on Twitter. Just want to say uh, the the offense was completely gelled in the second half. Satterfield had his you know, tweaks or, you know, whatever, if you will, in, in the first half. But we, we, we struggled in the first half. There was some, some mishap, et cetera. But in the second half, the offense clicked. We we had an idea of what we wanted to do, uh, an identity, if you will. And and we exploited that, and we, we did a great job. What I really want to talk about is the defense. The defense without Devontae Reed, without Huntley, you know, without the two, you know, Mokov and Strahan, which have been out for several weeks, but without Roderick, you know, we played really 
stout defense in the second half. We knew they were going to try to run it at us. We were able to stop it. And we added, we, we had more sacks tonight than we had the entire season. I give credit to Clayton White for figuring out what they were doing the first couple of drives and stopping it. We played a great night, great win, beating number 13 in the country. I don't care if they were backup quarterback, backup running back, backup coach. We beat the number 13 team in the country. Lots to build off of. Got a bye week. Let's put it together. Go in, beat AM. Peace. Zach, I appreciate the call, my man. You make a lot of great points. You definitely have to tip your cap to Clayton White, man, what he did and the way that defense played. And yeah, you think about all the guys we were missing on the defensive side. Kentucky wasn't the only team dealing with injuries. We had them too, right? You have both your starting safeties out and uh, did not miss a beat, man. Also, the – yeah, I mean, listen, it, it, it's a tale of two halves. And it, it's a game where – I mean, I'll say this. Uh, again, thankfully, Kentucky was not in a position to take advantage – you know, of you early to where while you were figuring things out. That's why I say it reminded me a lot of the Arkansas game because in that game, you know, you had that slow start on offense and you just simply couldn't afford it. Now, that game was different too. Second half, you had some costly turnovers and what have you. But, uh, you know, thankfully your defense was able to buy you time, buy you time, buy you time and keep you in it and and give your offense time to catch up and make adjustments and and then make some big plays there in the second half. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like you said at the end, man, it, it does not matter who was injured, who was healthy, uh, bottom line is you went on the road, got a top 15 win in the SEC at night, and that's a big deal. I don't give a damn who you're playing. You can be playing Vandy. I don't really give a shit. That's still a big deal. So uh, let's keep it moving. Well, we're calling from down here in Somerville, and uh, we are just excited about the uh, Beamer era. We think this is a program-changing win. Um, go Cox. Go Cox. Defense and special teams and run the football. Yeah. Let's go. And guess what? It's in bourbon country, and I've been sipping the shit out of some bourbon, and it has been tasting even better that we got that W, baby. Go Cox. Let's go. That was a V-man right there. Go Cox. I love it, boys. I love it, boys. I, I feel like a lot of bourbon was consumed on Saturday night. That is for damn sure. I just want to say good Thank God we pulled the win out. But I'm just not understanding why Spencer cannot make contact with the ball. Love the dude's death. I want him to be able to do something. But it's frustrating. So I guess I'm just a frustrated fan calling it. No cops. Forever to be. Okay, so I wanted you guys to hear the other end of the spectrum. Um, I don't really know what you mean by he can't make contact with the ball. But, um, you know, listen, can Spencer Rattler play much, much better? Uh, yeah, absolutely you can. Um, there's still, like I said, a lot left to be desired. You know, if you have that exact same performance offensively on Saturday night and you lose the game somehow, you know, they beat you 27 to 24 or whatever, you know, we're having a different conversation about the offense guys winning cures all right. Winning does cure all. It is what it is. Right. So, um, who do you blame? O-line. Do you blame Spencer himself? Do you blame Satterfield? You know, I saw things in the second half that I liked, but I, you know, I still want to see more. I, I still want to see more. And I, I hate that we're saying that at the halfway point of the season, but, we are, and it is what it is. And you hope that now they use this bye week to really correct some things and and make some adjustments, whether that be scheme adjustments, whether that be play calling adjustments, whether that be adjustments with Rattler, whatever. Um, use that bye week to make adjustments that are really going to benefit you down the stretch here in this season. Chris, hell of a win. Hell of a night to be a game cop. Tell you what. Putting things together, man. Putting things together. Anyways, go Gamecocks. Go Cox. Love it, baby. Love it. Uh, all right, we got two more, and then we'll dive into your listener questions. Hey, Chris. Luke RJ. Commenting on the game. Man, a win is a win is a win. And that one felt good. That first half was pretty bad 90 <laughs> yards total 
But I'll say this. That second half was pretty fun to watch. And our defense shut them down. And and we're four and two. And the bowl game is back in play. And I want to be too long, but I'll say this. I really like how Beamer and Satterfield were talking in the second half during timeout. And Beamer is leading the 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 huddle on the sideline. Muschamp never did that. He he just didn't do that. And after that timeout, they ran that reverse, had a good play call, and Satterfield and Beamer are on the same page, talking to each other back and forth. I really like that, and I, I think it's just good to see your offensive coordinator on the sidelines. I don't understand why coordinators uh, – like to be up in the box. You need to talk to your players on the time on the timeout, tell them things face to face. But that was a good win, man. And uh, two more wins is all we need to get to a bowl game. So that was fun. That second half was fun. Go Cox. Luke RJ, great call. And I, I feel like your last comment, man, is really what stands out from Saturday night. That was fun. That was fun. And, and we have not had. I would say a ton of fun this season. And I don't say that to be, you know, negative in any way, but you, you think about it. And that's what I meant by the whole hang your hat on comment that, you know, it, it, it Georgia State wasn't a lot of fun. Let's call it what it is. It wasn't a lot of fun because of expectation going in the game. Arkansas nor Georgia were fun because you lost. You're not going to have fun in a loss, right? And, and then Charlotte and SC State – there were fun moments, but I don't know that either one were really fun because in the back of your mind, you felt like, yeah, we're doing this, this, and this, and we're winning by this much, but, right? So I'm just happy for this fan base that this was the first time this season where you could really say, like, man, we had a lot of fun. It was against an SEC opponent, and it was in a quality win. And, I, I mean, dude, I, I just – I love that. I love that. Again, you you mentioned Luke RJ also. Second-half adjustments – uh, great analysis. I would say this, the reason an OC wants to be up in the box, some OCs feel like they can just see the field better. Um, I know like Georgia, uh, Todd Munkin, he sits up in the box. He sits in the box. So, And it works out pretty well for them. So I think it's really just what they prefer. I think it's what they prefer. All right, we got one final voicemail, and then we'll get into your questions. Hey, Chris. I just realized that there's a time limit on the, on the whole uh, voicemail thing, so I'm going to keep it short and sweet. I left the voicemail a little bit just a second ago, and the time ran out on me. But let me just say this. Gamecocks played great tonight, huge win, great uh, effort from our defense, getting a couple of turnovers and just playing. I mean, great job on the road in the SEC. Our offense did, I think, pretty well, better than I would have expected against a stout SEC, you know, Kentucky defense. Spencer Rattler, so-so, a couple turnovers, but he did what he needed to do. He's a good quarterback. He will improve. The team is starting to mesh. They're starting to come together. I mean, I thought, honestly, Satterfield played a great, called a great game. I mean, there may have been one or two calls that, you know, could have been a little different, but, I mean, he, I think he called a great game. And I'm going to be honest. I, <laughs> you can't say that, that – now is the time, if there ever is going to be a time, that, that he needs to be on hot seat. So let's just keep rolling with him. Let's just hope we keep getting better. I'm, I'm, I mean, Beamer is – Beamer ball, I'll agree with you on this, Beamer ball to the moon. I'm going to tell you this. One thing, all right, I didn't get a chance to get it in the last voice note, so let me tell you right like this. That was all a little bit in fun, but I got to tell you, you came with that negativity, man. You, you, you had every reason to pick South Carolina with – the news that Levis was out and the way things were shaping up with us having, you know, played SE State on a Thursday night and having that little bit of extra time. Dude, Chris Phillips, you got to nom nominate yourself as Black Dick of the Week. I mean, I'm just being honest, man. Come on, if you're going to be <laughs> – keep it real, man. If you're going to keep it real, keep it real. You you didn't roll with us? I mean, I know you say – and I'm, I know you would have – I know you're happy that we won, but, hey, it is what it is. They play great. Uh, again, I, it's all in fun, but last pick of the week, Chris Phillips for picking Kentucky. All right, I'm out. 
Thank you for the call. Thank you for the voicemail. Uh, I will not be nominating myself for Slap Big of the Week. I, I'll just say this to his his comment. And listen, I love the energy. I love the positive energy, by the way. Uh, incredible call. Incredible voicemail. I'm glad that was the final one. Um, when, when, he, when you say that you weren't rolling with us, like it, it's not me versus Carolina football. Like I, like I, I, I go into it very transparently saying I'm just giving an honest take, you know, no garnet glasses, no pessimism, just a real honest take. And I don't regret nor apologize for my stance going into that game against Kentucky and, and just wanting to see it with my own two eyes, wanting to actually see it happen. You know, when you take into account how abysmal we had been on the road and how abysmal we had been against Kentucky. And listen, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Did I ignore all obvious signs that probably would say South Carolina would have been a great pick. I, I did. I did. But I knowingly did that because to, you know, the caller and everybody else, I just refused to have egg on my face in this situation. I, I did. I refused to do so because time and time again, you know, I think back to last year, the game against Tennessee, I picked the upset and boy, to say I was wrong is putting it lightly, my friend, right? And that's not to say that I'm always going to go into um, go into these games with that type of approach, right? I'm not going to say that. But there were things that South Carolina did on Saturday night that are not the norm. I hope they become the norm, but they are not the norm. And that's what I was hoping for. So, Listen, if you want to, if you want to, in your mind, if you have your own slap dig of the week award or slap dig of the weekend or whatever, you want to make it me because I picked Kentucky, fine. Hey, we won. I don't really care. But, uh, you know, I, I don't regret my stance and I don't regret my decision. Um, you know, I, I just wanted to see it actually take place. I wanted to see it happen. And thank goodness it did. Thank good. I'll tell you this, by the way, side note, JC Sherbert nailed. His prediction when he came on the Daily Crow, he had 24 to 14 Carolina, and sure enough, it hit. And, and again, I did not make the pick. If I truly, genuinely, my heart of hearts last week was, you know, thought South Carolina was going to win, I would not have just blatantly picked Kentucky to win the game out of some sense of, of anything. I, I would have picked South Carolina, but I still just felt like from what I've seen, especially against quality competition, like I thought Kentucky was going to run the ball much more effectively than they did. And that certainly was not the case. So, hey, I'm glad to be wrong. My friend, like I said, if you want to give me the slap big of the weekend, you're more than welcome. I will not be nominating myself for it. I think Mark Stoops is more deserving of slap big of the weekend than I am. Maybe you disagree, but, uh, you know, listen, I don't bat a thousand. I don't bat a thousand. Sometimes I miss picks, but I will say, by the way, I, on a side note, I will say we are exactly where I picked us to be in the preseason. I had us at four and two. I had us beating Kentucky over the summer. I guess I should have stuck with my picks over the summer. But anyways, I appreciate the call, my friend. Thank you so much. Hey, the positive energy, positive vibes. I love it. It feels good to be good here on this Monday. All right, let's get into your listener questions and we'll get out of here. Uh, Lord326 just says, Beamer ball. Love it. Uh, Ross says, program changing win. And this is why you love SEC football, right? Because the highs are, are astronomically high and the lows are incredibly low. Does this win mean we're going to win nine or ten games this year, guys? I, I don't think it does. But again, we talked about how it was the inflection point and how to meet any sort of expectations you had set in the preseason, that fans set, I should say, in the preseason. You had to win this game. This was one of those swing games you really needed to take, and folks had been looking for you know, a way in which to quantify progress and positive progress and a positive trajectory. And we talked about the importance of going four and two and splitting those games against Arkansas, Kentucky, how it wasn't going to be good enough with all the additions you had to just start three and three and just win the ones you're supposed to win and lose the ones you're supposed to lose, how that just wasn't going to be good enough. So, you know, does it change the program? Are we are we now on 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 our way to winning an SEC title because we took down the Kentucky Wildcats? I'm not going to go out and say all that, but it's a big win. No doubt it's a big win, especially in the scope of this 2022 season. Uh, Patrick Delaney says, yes, we got the dub, but Rattler's got to look better. Hashtag Spurs up. I don't disagree. He's got to continue to play better, no doubt. 
Uh, Ian, Ian Joseph Johnson says, sometimes it's just about the W. Big win for the program. Agreed, agreed. Definitely a big win, too, for early on in Shane Beamer's tenure. Uh, Coop K2 2021 says, Beamer ball, baby. Chief Mama 18 says, feels so good to beat Kentucky again. Go Cox. Jackson Hester, not the prettiest win, but we did enough. Defense really kept us in it. Oh, defense is the story of the, of, of the game, my friend. I, I think defense absolutely is a story of that football game. Uh, Michael Will Maring, 229, was the Kentucky O-line bad tonight or was our D-line just playing better football? I think it was a mix of both. I, I mean, listen, Kentucky doesn't have a great offensive line. Uh, they lost three guys from last year, and that's really affecting them. And I think they were also out there starting right tackle. And so they they were depleted on the offensive line. But do not take credit away from the defensive line and, and what they did and, and everything clicking and coming together. Um, so it was a mix, I think, for sure. But you can't, you can't take credit away from what the Gamecocks did up front. Um, Brobo 16, Beamer really is the person Dabo thinks he is. <laughs> Austin 20 says, I don't care. They can make any excuse about the quarterback there, but damn, their excuse got lit up in the second half. Indeed. Uh, Matt Galt six just says to hell with Mark Stoops. Stephen J. Riley says, Spencer is the guy. He proved it tonight the way he ran the offense in the second half. Hey, had a great second half. You got to give him credit. Had a fantastic second half. Uh, KJ Gonzalez says, why you should never run your mouth in preseason hashtag basketball school. How about Emmanuel Cook, the great Emmanuel Cook for the Gamecocks, uh, former defensive back, ecook26 on Instagram. He just says, yeah, babe. Love it, E. Cook. Appreciate you commenting, my guy. Uh, DJ Game CX says, Kentucky fans waiting for basketball season only to realize we have GG. Love that. Love that. Um, Adam.Pax. Game wasn't about Levis not playing. It was about USC dominating the line of scrimmage, especially in the second half. Agreed. Uh, e. Karch 8 Is this the first signature win of the Beamer era? You know, I think you look back to last year that maybe the Mayo Bowl was a signature win or the Florida game was a signature win. Auburn was big, too, but th this is a big one. This is a big one. I, so, I don't know if you want to – it depends on what you label a signature win, but this is a big one, no doubt. Um, uh, let's see. Hen R. D. Hamoki. I don't even know how to say that. Uh, Fraud Tucky with another L. Austin G45 says, huge win for Shane Beamer. A&M at home could be very interesting in two weeks. Yeah, I can't wait to see what the kickoff time is for that one later today. And finally, T. Heel K. Mister says, our defense got mouth pumped up the middle. Offense still has no identity. Yeah. Um, listen, defense played well. Offense still trying to figure it out. But you know what? A win is a win is a win. And I am giddy as hell here on this Monday. That's for damn sure. Uh, guys, that's going to do it. Hey, appreciate you all tuning in. Thank you all so much for the continued love and support for the podcast, the Daily Crow. Of course, the merchandise side of the business. And go get your merch today. Take advantage of the promo code BEAMERBALL. 15% off merch using that promo code until midnight tonight. And also stay tuned for new drops on the store. I got some new long sleeves I'm working on, new beanies, new hoodies, all that good stuff as it's officially here, guys. Again, thank you all so much for tuning in. Appreciate all the love, all the support. Y'all have a fantastic rest of your Monday, and we will talk to you all on Wednesday. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.